Hey, Edith. Hey, Christy. What does a nosy pepper do? I don't know. Gets jalapeno uh, business. <laughs> That's almost funny. <laughs> Christy. And I'm Edith. We're backyard gardeners from Colorado. And neighbors. And friends. These days, gardening has gotten very popular. And we've noticed more and more people picking our brains for tips and troubleshooting about gardening. We're not experts. We just learned a lot about gardening from the mistakes we made along the way. So welcome to Upside Down Tulips, a fun podcast that celebrates gardening gone wrong. Upside Down. everybody. Hi, everybody. Hi, Edith. Christy, how are you? I'm excited for this week's topic, which is about recipes from the garden that you don't have to cook. Yes, it's about eating raw food. It's about um, cookless things. Cookless. Who wants to heat up the stove this time of year? Nobody. The stove needs a break. Let's do a shout out for Mindy from Salt Lake City, Utah. And why is that, Edith? Because she's a lawn chair lettuce. She's a deadheader. She's a deadheader. <laughs> Even better. Yes, folks. So uh, many thanks to Mindy from Salt Lake City. She's a member of our garden party, which means that she throws us a couple bucks a month to help support the work that we do. And we're ever so grateful for it. And she will be expecting a upside down tulips coffee mug in and, the future. And she'll get one. Yes. We, and not only that, I'll tell you why we're so excited, is that we don't know who she is. She's not a family or friend that felt obligated. She's someone that really liked us and the podcast. Yeah. And now we know who she is. Edith, she wrote us a letter last week. She's the that? best. So she, she was said she was going to be a soon-to-be supporter, uh -huh. and she made good on her promise. So welcome to the Garden Party, Mindy. Did you know, Edith, that it is National Organic Harvest Month? I did not know that. It feels like it because there's a lot of organic harvesting happening in my neck of the woods. Um, yes, mine too. I mean, it's definitely harvest time. And if you grow organically, it just makes sense that it is, you know, organic harvest month. How's your garden going? Okay, Christy, you know what the biggest news from the garden is? Labor Day was the first day since July that I found no Japanese beetles. Oh, congratulations. Huh? Which means they all went back underground. Yes. Yeah, I mean, I'm used Good to riddance. getting between 20 and 30 a day. Oh, my gosh. I go out there two, three times a day, and I looked and I looked, and there weren't any. So um, a, a big part of your day is free now. Yes, that has freed up <laughs> what was unfortunately my favorite part of the day. It, you know, is, it is enjoyable, uh, uh, swishing those into a bucket of soapy water. I'll tell you, it is satisfying. <laughs> You'll have to get a new hobby, Edith. Yes, I'm going to have to get a hobby. Uh-huh. How about the rest of your garden? Well, uh, before I go into the garden, I sent another email to Beyond Pete. Still no response. So remind folks what this is about. This is about, like we discussed that peat was a non-renewable resource and that we're running out of it in parts of the world. So I bought this bag of potting soil that was beyond peat that was made out of garden residuals. Well, wouldn't you be curious of what residuals that was? Especially I was. if you're growing food in that. Exactly. I mean, it could be squirrel skulls. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? Like for bone meal. You know, I, as a, as a, as a gardener will often have a lot of residual squirrel skulls and I don't put them in my peat. 
there you go. Um, that's why you don't have Beyond Pete. <laughs> anyway, so, you wrote, so you wrote them again. I wrote them again. Nothing. Nothing. Hmm. Interesting, isn't it? So the mystery will continue. Mm-hmm. I'm going to have to just keep bugging them. Yeah. There's no phone number. I cannot call them. Just weird. Yeah, it's, it's just be nice weird. to know what it is. It would be very you put nice. it in your garden. Mm-hmm. So, Christy, we have discussed the blossom end rot condition. Yes. Yeah. And you have said, you know, it's a condition, not a disease. It can, it's, you can cure it. And I actually didn't believe you, but you were right. <laughs> Do you remember when, when um, we had, uh, I, I put a cup of milk on, on the bottom of my tomato plant in the soil? That plus regular watering, and I don't have blossom end rot on my grape tomatoes. Congratulations! I can't believe it. Yeah, it's because the plants want regular watering, and when they don't, and then they get a flush of water, then the mm-hmm. plants don't get enough calcium. So milk can help infuse your plant with calcium. Well, you did like a milk-water mixture, right? Um, yes, one-to-one. You're right. I did. I did exactly that. What a memory Oh, I'm glad. You so your tomatoes are coming in. Yes, they're coming in without, because, you know, on a little tiny grape tomato, blossom end rot is like half the tomato. <laughs> you get you get an eighth of a teaspoon of you, tomato. You do. <laughs> it's terrible. Um, and one one more thing, you know, it's we haven't had rain in a long, long time, right? So it's really important to keep the watering up regularly. And did you know there was a patron saint of weather? No. St. Medaris, born in France in the year 456. And when is the feast of this saint? The feast of this saint is unknown to me. Oh, no, no, it's known to me. I believe it's June 8th. Okay, we'll have to mark that and celebrate. Absolutely, because the legend is that he was sheltered by the from the rain by a large hovering eagle. When he was a child. That sounds so poetic. Isn't that beautiful? Yeah. That's just beautiful. So anyway, he is the patron saint for if you want to pray for rain, good weather. He's also the patron saint of vineyards. My grapes are ready, so that's how I remembered that. Brewers, captives, prisoners, the mentally ill, peasants, and sterility. That's a busy saint. (laughs) (laughs) That's a very busy saint. And if you're one person that has all those conditions, bless your heart. Yeah. Bless your heart, <laughs> as they say in the South. How are how's your cantaloupe doing? I've been worried about your overripe cantaloupe from last week. Well, I touch them every day. Every day I go out there and I touch them and, and they in an good. appropriate manner. Always appropriate. I don't good. go anywhere near the stem. Ha uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> Oh my god. <laughs> oh my goodness. Now, actually, you're supposed to touch around the stem to see if it's soft there. Um, So the cantaloupe are good. And I think, oh, one more thing about um, my grapes are finally ready. And you know, the grapes in the store are often seedless. Yes. And I looked it up and there's a lot of nutrition in the seeds of a grape. Well, isn't that where like grape seed oil would come from? Exactly. So they have good fats in there. So what are you doing with your grape seeds? I'm eating them. I'm nice. eating them as part of the grape. It's nice. in there. It's not so too crunchy. <laughs> is, is it? Is they're it... so crunchy. Sometimes they're a little too crunchy. Sometimes I spit them out. But yes, I've been eating them. In fact, since we're talking about raw food, instead of using jelly on my peanut butter sandwiches, I just line up grapes. That sounds wonderful. It's so good. I never thought of doing that before. It's really good. 
So that is my garden. How about yours? Well, my tomatoes are still coming in. So many, right? The to- the tomato tsunami. Uh-huh. I'm going to remember this year for a long time. I canned tomatoes this week. You did? Yes. And if folks out there who've canned before, I was doing quart jars. And you need a lot of tomatoes to fill a quart jar. Yes. I did eight. Wow. So it was a lot. That's two gallons of tomatoes, isn't it? <laughs> Wow. <laughs> a lot of tomatoes. Good for you. Um, of my pumpkin vine, of which my mysterious pumpkin vine that showed up out of the compost pile one day. Uh-huh. Of the four toma- of the, the out of the four pumpkins that were there, two are left. Oh no. The squirrels eviscerated another one. At oh. least they really ate the whole thing. And that's what I feel like. If you're gonna just don't take one bite and leave. Oh. That's so annoying. It was it was eviscerated. I thought like, oh, there's the pumpkin still there. But then I realized, oh, no, 90% of it is gone. All of I'm seeing is part of the outside of the pumpkin shell. It was oh. gone. Christy, the, are there seeds? Um, were there seeds already formed? Oh, that's a good question. Because uh, I do not know. Maybe. Yeah, they're I good-sized just, pumpkins. I just wonder if, do the seeds have to be mature to have all of the nutrition that a seed usually has? Or could you harvest that part? Or you don't want squirrel saliva. Ooh, squirrel saliva, right? <laughs> <laughs> not as healthy as a grape seed. No, not as healthy as a grape seed. <laughs> right. <laughs> I am starting to harvest peppers this week. Oh, good, good, good. So the peppers that I planted were shishito, wonderbell, Anaheim, and three different kinds of jalapenos. Oh, that's so great. And I thought you'd like it, but I don't think I'd mention this to you, Edith, about one of my jalapenos. Yeah. This is one that Mel from down the street gave me. Uh-huh. It's a pumpkin spice jalapeno pepper. Oh, my gosh. Like, I have no idea what that means. Oh, my gosh. But I, what it's going to taste like. But it's wow. they're, they're coming in pretty quick, and so I'm going to have to figure wait. out what to do with peppers. I cannot wait to see what, what they taste like. Yeah. You'll have to let me know. I had two cabbage that were still out in the vegetable garden after my disastrous sauerkraut experiment. Uh-huh. I um, have not known what to do with these two cabbage, and I've been really busy. And the cabbage have done something strange, which I do not understand. What? It's starting to open up. Really? <laughs> yeah. You mean unfold? Yes. A full-grown cabbage is opening yes. itself up. Yes. Don't you see that it's begging you? Yeah, to harvest it. it is. Its arms are open going, get me out of here. It's starting to look a little bit like Audrey too from Little Shop of Horrors. <laughs> <laughs> it's open. You'll have to come out and see it. Oh my gosh, I've but it never. But like, it looks like cabbage inside, so I don't think it's, I don't know what it's going to taste like, but I really should pull it. Well, you you could, don't remember, cut, don't pull. Yes. Because if you cut, more little cabbages will come. Good, good, yes. Thank you for reminding me. And Christy... Those cabbages last a long time in the refrigerator. They do. Do it today before the whole thing just decides that it's not worth Mm. living anymore. Are your radishes ready yet? Because mine are. They are? Yes. I planted these in mid-July. You planted before me. Mm Mm-hmm. Oh, that's so exciting. I planted those French ones. I love those. And have you eaten any? Are they yeah. really are they really spicy hot? Yeah. Because it's been so hot here. Yeah, they're really good. Oh, that's good. And on the flower front. My sedums are starting to bloom. Oh, good. And this is that type of plant, folks, that if you're looking for something to enjoy in August and September, you really should consider getting a sedum plant. This one is called, I think, Autumn. Autumn Autumn, sedum. Autumn Mm -hmm. sedum. And when it blooms, the bees go crazy for it. 
And it starts off by being very light pink, and then it gets a darker pink and a darker pink, and then it turns kind of mauve, and then eventually it turns burgundy. Wow. So I'm really excited to see that. That's how we know it's September when those plants are starting to bloom. And my mums are starting to bloom. Nice. I pinched back my mums all summer long. So as soon as they came up, Mm -hmm. I would cut them back by a third every couple weeks. And so now I have bushy mums so that they will have a lot of flowers on it. Oh, that's really nice. That's really nice. I did something I've never done before this week. I made um, pickled green tomatoes. Ooh. That go straight into the refrigerator. So I don't have to can them or anything like that. Yeah. And I haven't tried them yet. I'm going to wait a couple of weeks, but I would like you to try them as well. Oh, let's do it on the podcast. Yeah, let's It'll do it. It'll be a big pickled tomato, green tomato surprise. Yes. Oh, that's nice. A green tomato surprise. Yes, let's do that. Oh, that sounds fun. Oh, good. Well, folks, if there are words or terms you're not familiar with, just go to our website and check out our Upside Down dictionary where you'll find some great definitions and some laughs yes so you're learning and laughing at the same time that's so good you can also click on the link in our show notes and you can see what we've got on facebook instagram pinterest or our youtube channel now check out one of our brand new pod plays door trash Hi, I'm Claire, a busy working woman who doesn't always have time to prepare a meal. So I tried some meal delivery services. The first was Door Bash. I ordered a meal of pesto on zoodles and had a glass of wine while waiting for my dinner. Door Bash for 212 Main Street. And there it is, right on time. Coming. What the? Hey, hey, stop that. Hey. Oh my gourd! They broke the door down! Now I have to get a new door and more wine. After that, I tried a service called Door Clash. The fact that their logo was a stove made of swords should have tipped me off. Door Clash for 212 Main Street. Thunder! Whoa! And lunge! Pivot and lunge! Lunge! Retreat! Retreat! My dinner is slashed to ribbons. I can't eat this. So thinking that the third time was the charm, I called door hash. When the doorbell rang, I was both hopeful and hungry. Then I heard this through the door. Ding dong. Hello. Maybe I have the wrong address. I am so hungry. Oh my God, I have a bag of food right here in my hand. It's mine, just leave it on the porch, I'm coming. This is delicious. Right in my hand, out of nowhere. Awesome. That's when I decided to grow some of my own food myself. Upside Down Tulips was right there to help me out. Grow something and deliver it yourself from your own backyard. So this week, we're giving our ovens and our stovetops a break. Yes, we are. And we're talking about harvesting from the garden Uh and recipes and ways of not cooking raw food. We're talking garden to mouth. If you, it seems to me that if you have a garden, especially an organic garden, what better thing than to eat raw food? 
right? I mean, there's a whole entire raw food movement. And I'm not a vegan, but I try to eat raw food every single day that there's anything out in my garden, at least one one thing a day of raw food, right? Well, they say it's so good for you. Mm-hmm. You know, the heat of cooking actually depletes vitamins. It damages the proteins and fats. It destroys enzymes. You know, some people make really big claims about raw food, and I don't know if they're true, but supposedly they really help your immune system. They help you combat things like the possibility of getting some of our major diseases. That They're really, really good for you, right? I've also read, and again, you know, us, we're not being doctors, but it's also really good for your gut health, for your digestion. Yes, it cleans you out, as they say. <laughs> there Delicately a... put, Edith. Yeah, thank you very much. I'm <laughs> such a delicate person. Uh, but, but seriously, it is really, really good for you. It's like um, having a brush inside and it's scraping you out. You know, it just feels like something grandmas would always say. You well, need roughage. Exactly. Eat your roughage. Eat fresh fruits and vegetables. That's what doctors are saying that are, I've been saying for years. And you know, when I was a kid, I mean, there was just nothing like, and even today, we all love to do this. You go out and you eat a tomato right off of- The best part of the summer. It is the best part of the summer, but there's so many more foods other than tomatoes that we can eat raw. I have been, I feel like I've been really lucky. I kind of accidentally have had food I can eat in that garden starting in February and I'm still eating it, and it's in the greens. Mm. So it starts with um, a salad with a lettuce green called, in English, it's corn salad. This is in French, they called it mâche, M-A-C-H-E. I guess the E is silent. But anyway, this is a very tiny rosette. It come, it, it likes the cool weather, so you plant it either early, early spring, or you plant it late fall, like right now, um, it's too hot. It, it likes it to be no hotter than 68 degrees. Mm. Mine has self-sown itself for years. And I, it actually comes up in February. You can, it actually can grow in the snow. Wow. This It's like a miracle thing. It, honest to goodness, is like a miracle thing. And if so, it can grow in the snow, that's a lot of zones. There's so many zones. Good point. Yes. So it's called corn salad. And uh, it used to be... I used to see it in grocery stores because uh, it was very chic for a while there. Like arugula is now like the thing. <laughs> right. Right? And kale. And kale. Then it was, I used to call it mache because I didn't know how to pronounce it. Uh, and it was very expensive. And then I realized it's the same thing that's coming up. It used to grow as a weed. One of the reasons they call it corn salad is used to grow in between other crops oh, in the fields. Oh, interesting. I was wondering why. That seems like when you said it was a rosette. Yes. wondering why it was called corn salad. And in German, it's Agassalat, which is acre salad because it grew by itself wild. It's so, itself so, so uh, ridiculously well. And it is delicious. It's, it's a heavy, buttery... It's just really labor-intensive because it's so small. Mm. So listen, if I give you some seeds, will you grow some? Yes. You will be really, really happy. I think it's fun to experiment. Me too. So then, after that, that led right into the lettuce, the marvel of four seasons, which is that my favorite new thing, this beautiful lettuce. It's the one that self-sewed itself from the year before, the season before, and I had over 100 plants. So... (laughs) I ate and gave away so so much. So, so that, you weren't you weren't cooking very much. You were just eating a lot of raw, food, a lot of raw greens, salad. like every single day. So that was that. 
Then, and this is thanks to one of our listeners, Lula, the Swiss chart I planted, I think that's like I never had had it before in my whole life. Do you know that's like a miracle? One leaf is so big. It's like the Viroflate spinach. Uh Uh-huh. One leaf can be, I swear, Christy, over a foot long, over eight inches wide. And they're so pretty. Beautiful. One leaf is a salad. (laughs) (laughs) And they're so pretty. And they're so big that they actually can provide shade. If you have little things that need shade, little... What a great idea. They can provide some shade. Like radishes don't love this burning Mm -hmm. heat. So then there was that. And then the last thing, actually, I thank you because for the first time in my life, I grew arugula and it's now ready to eat. So it's September. The arugula you plant, again, it it does not like the heat. Late summer or early fall. And I think I'm going to plant more arugula. Started in February. It's September. And I'm still eating greens from the garden. Oh, that's wonderful. And easy, easy peasy. Now you just, you planted and it's already up radishes. Yes. Okay. What other raw foods do you think that you have? Cucumbers. Yes. Cucumbers. The other day I saw my neighbor walking up and out. She was eating cucumbers like she was eating an apple. (laughs) Yeah. They're excellent for you. Cucumbers. Peas. You eat your peas raw, don't you? I do. I do. I freeze some of them, but I mostly eat them raw because they are, you just can't beat them raw. Oh my gosh, we have to talk about zucchini. Yes. How many things you can make with raw zucchini? You can make zoodles, which I guess you could put in, saute them for a second if you wanted to, or heat yeah, them up by the Yeah, and folks who don't sauce. know what a zoodle is, is mm. essentially just taking a zucchini and chopping it up into the, I guess, into the shape of a noodle. Spiral. There, it's a, it's there, a spiralizer you can buy. There's a little machine that you can get that will do it. There's also... Uh, you can do just do it by chopping it up by hand if you don't have the special little zoodle machine. I have a zoodler. Do you eat mm-hmm. it? I do, yeah. They're super fun because they remind me of a toy my sister had, which was um, a Play-Doh toy where it was a barbershop. So you would plug up these little characters full of Play-Doh, and then you would pump this little thing. And so their <laughs> hair would come out in Play-Doh. Oh, my gosh. Out from the top, and then you could cut it off like you were in a barbershop. And that's what a zoodler is like for me. Oh, that's so much fun. That's great. But a lot of people will heat up the zoodles a little bit. I do, actually, to tell you the truth. I usually do. Just a little bit. Mm -hmm. Just a little bit. Or if you have a really hot sauce, let the sauce do some of the cooking. Some people eat it totally raw. One time, and I think we have this um, posted on our website, I made hummus with not with chickpeas, but with raw uh, zucchini. Oh, yes. You couldn't even tell the difference. It was so good. I think the trick with zoodles is that, well, I find I enjoy them in soup more, so I guess that doesn't make it a raw food anymore, does it? Um, but they can, when you put sauce on them, the, the zucchini that will release its water uh-huh. and kind of go bleh, and so if you put a tomato sauce on it, essentially you just have soup in your bowl. <laughs> the, the trick is, is to uh, let it sit out for a little bit. And even you could put some salt on it so that the the zucchini will release its water. And then you can always squeeze out some of the water uh, so that it is not, that's the raw food way. There's another way that you could do it where you could roast it a little bit too to have it release its water. 
Okay. So you're saying that, that you make the zoodles, salt them, and let it sit for a while. So it releases... Well, that's really smart. And or and sometimes squeeze it out. Just so that if you're going to put a warmish uh-huh. sauce on them, the, the zoodles don't all of a sudden create a big, huge bowl of soup. You know, Christy, uh, the other thing that I have never done before that I started doing this summer is grating raw beets and putting it on the salad. They are... It's as sweet as you can imagine. It doesn't taste like... I always thought beets were kind of bitter. No, 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 no. Not when you grow them yourself and don't get them out when they're gigantic. I think beets are one of the largest revelations to me in the vegetable garden because I I grew up with a lot of canned food. And canned beets were just not attractive or or interesting at all to eight-year-old Christy. (laughs) Or to any year-old anybody. But beets is one of those vegetables that when you grow it yourself Uh and you realize all the things you can do with it, even raw, Raw, no cook. And they say it's a superfood. You know, it has one of those colors, like have you noticed, like foods that are deeply colored are the ones that are the most nutritious? Yes. Isn't that true? I hope I'm not just making that up, but I think (laughs) You're looking around like there's going to be somebody going to come in and (laughs) offer some advice. never happens that would be that's a new musical when you run out of ideas someone comes on and they're singing the solution right you are correct edith super strong colors make the best food (laughs) ta-da do you have cooking fatigue Whether you're an experienced home chef or you don't know your way around a kitchen, cooking for yourself or trying to feed a family, a good meal plan can make dinner as convenient as it is delicious. My kids moved home and I've been cooking three meals a day for eight months on top of my full-time job. I'm exhausted. With the holidays coming up, I don't know what to do. Let us help. We are La Galura. A new meal service plan with a cool Scandinavian-type name. That would be wonderful. I sure could use some help. And I love IKEA. How does it work? Step one, sign up for La Galura. It only takes 30 seconds. That sounds easy. Step two, find some recipes. Okay. Step three, make a list of ingredients. Got it. Step four, go to the grocery store. Oh. Step five, assemble and prepare the ingredients. What? Step six, cook the meal. That doesn't sound right. And enjoy. Hey, I just looked it up and Lagalura means cooking fool in Swedish. Sign up now and get our special dishwashing plan as a bonus. No, thank you. La Galura, the cool new meal delivery plan with the Scandinavian type name. La Galura subscribers must be COVID-free, wear a mask, have a car, and the ability to go grocery shopping. Must have stove and basic kitchen tools and appliances. Must know how to cook. La Galura. La Galura. So, Edith. Yes. Don't forget about when we're talking about salads, you can also do a lot with carrots. That's a raw food. Yes, of course. And and that's, you know what? If you have a salad and you put beets and you put um, carrots on it, think of the beautiful colors that that is beautiful. And you know what else I do? You know, everybody eats coleslaw, right? Which is just raw cabbage, so good for you. It's like a raw food. But what about slicing cabbage really thin and putting, adding it to your salad? 
Yeah, it'll be so crunchy. It's incredibly crunchy and um, just a delight. One of my favorite salads from the garden, I don't know if this fits under the raw food category or not, but it's a caprese salad. Oh, they're the best. Which is tomatoes, basil, mozzarella, salt, and olive oil. Named after the Isle of Capri, which is thought to have originated its um, colors as an homage to the Italian flag. Oh, look at that. How about smoothies, Edith? Oh, smoothies are great, you guys. Smoothies, um, they cost so much money now. When you, you can go out, there's like actual places that only serve smoothies. Do you know how easy it is to make a smoothie? You can use, first of all, as a base, you can use anything. You can use a fruit juice. You can use milk, any kind of milk. And then just start dumping in, f- dumping, no, adding in fruits, vegetables. There are vegetable smoothies. Like, Christy, you can put in carrots. Kale is a biggie. Because um, carrots will keep it sweet. You want to make a really pretty one, you can add shredded beets in there. And then you can also experiment. Like, if you have, um, if you have any fruit on hand, just try different smoothies all the time. They're, they're just not just for breakfast anymore. When I um, have bananas that are getting too ripe, <gasps> I slice them up yes. and I put them in the freezer. Oh, that's a really good idea. So do you peel them? Yes. Oh. Peel them, <laughs> slice them up, <laughs> put them in the freezer, and that can become a base of a fruit or a vegetable smoothie, and it keeps it cold. That's a and one- adds a lot of texture to it. That is a wonderful idea. You know, once I, I I froze a banana, but I didn't peel it. That's why I asked, and it just turned black. Oh, dear. <laughs> so <laughs> this is a good idea. Any Anytime you have any leftover fruit or anything, you could actually put it in the banana bag. We'll call it the banana smoothie bag. So just keep putting it in the freezer in this bag you have started, and there you have a ready-to-go smoothie. What about uh, soups? Not hot soups, but a cold soup. Oh, we could, you could soup. do that raw, cold couldn't soup. you eat it? Oh, absolutely. Um, my favorite are based with cucumbers and avocado. Mm. Um, we will have some of these up on our website. Um, there's a cucumber avocado jalapeno soup, and what gives it its body is uh, yogurt. Mm. Now, folks, you have to admit, you're, you're getting healthier just listening to these <laughs> ingredients. I was at a restaurant in Denver called Parsley, and they had a gazpacho soup that was so amazing. Really? I asked them for the recipe, and they gave it to me. They did? They did. Of course, I had to, every time I do it, I always forget I have to break it down because they made like huge batches of it. Uh So I have to do a lot of math on it. So I don't have the exact numbers here, but we will put this on our website, folks, for this amazing gazpacho soup. It has a tomato juice base, yeah, plus olive oil, and here are the other ingredients in it: cucumber, tomatoes, red onion, jalapeno, avocado, salt, a little bit of sugar, just to cut the acidity of, of the tomatoes. Uh huh. Black pepper, red pepper. That's it. That's it. But the uh, it's the avocado and the cucumber. And, and the jalapeno and the red onion that just make it so wonderful. And they're all like, you know, the size of corn. You know, you chop them up like the yeah. size of corn. Now, I've never really liked gazpacho, but that one sounds really good. Yeah. Well, post that, and I will try to make it as well. How about salsas? Well, salsas are like thick soup, I guess. You know? <laughs> Aren't they kind yeah, of? uh-huh. Salsas are almost always 
tomato-based. There are green tomato salsas, aren't there? Yeah, you, I think so, yeah. You, 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 can, you can do that. But basically, it's the same list of ingredients, which is jalapeno or any kind of a hot pepper, tomatoes, onions. Well, you can mix it up. You can, you know, have any kind. If you grow tomatillos, one of my favorite, favorite things is the tomatillo salsa. Um, my yeah. favorite salsa recipe is a tomato cucumber salsa. Oh, that sounds good. So you take two medium cucumbers, two medium tomatoes, a half a cup of green bell peppers, one jalapeno, one small onion, one clove of garlic, two tablespoons lime juice, one t- teaspoon minced parsley, two teaspoons minced cilantro, dried dill, and salt. Wow. And don't worry if you feel like you don't want to write these down, folks. Of course, you could always hit rewind, but we'll put it up on our yes. We'll put it up on our website, and you can put salsa on so many. You can put salsa on some cooked food, and you know, therefore you're giving yourself a little bit of raw food on top of your cooked food. Like you could put it on a chicken breast or salmon. Yes, well, that's a great idea. And what I loved about the recipe you just gave is that there's no oil in it. I mean, what what keeps it going is lime, the lime juice. Mm. Not only does that taste great, but now you're getting all that vitamin C and whatnot. How do you feel about sauces? Sauces. I feel really good about sauces. The only real, um, the raw sauce, the most um, popular one, I think, is the pesto. Why is it called pesto, I wonder? That's an interesting question. Huh. If only somebody would come into the room and tell us what it is. (laughs) Start singing about why do they call it pesto because. So anyway, pesto, the cool thing about pesto is you can make it with a number of different things. You can make it with basil. That's the course, the the um, one that everybody uses, yeah. Uh-huh. You can make what's called poor man's pesto, which instead of using pine nuts and basil, you can use parsley. My neighbor gave me a jar of pesto she made with garlic scapes. Ooh. Now, scapes are garlic will form this curly cue on top of it in its growth process. So they already taste like garlic, you know? And it was delicious. Now, I'll bet you make a great pesto. The the easy recipe, my go-to recipe is three cloves of garlic. Uh-huh. But if the garlic cloves are small, Edith, I might go four or five because I like yeah. a garlicky pesto. I do too. I do. And garlic, folks, garlic, raw food, garlic. Two cups of solidly packed fresh basil. Uh-huh. Now, some folks think it's basil, that much basil's too much. So sometimes I'll go half basil, half parsley. Oh, I like that. I like that idea. Uh-huh. Three quarters of a teaspoon of coarse salt. Uh-huh. A half a cup of olive oil and one third cup pine nuts. But pine nuts are expensive. They're horrible, yeah. So you could trade that out for walnuts. <gasps> yes. It still works. Yeah, it still and works. And then I just mix it in a food processor. If you don't have a food processor, you could do it the old fashioned way, which is a mortar and a pestle. You could and mix that all up. Christy, I don't have a food processor, but I have what do you what do you call a it? A blender? Yeah. It'll work at a blender. It works on a blender too. Yeah. Just just so you know, folks. Yeah. yeah. Um, or, you know, a teen with, um, who needs to work off some punishment. (laughs) (laughs) Then after you blend it with a wooden spoon, you add three quarters of a cup of shredded Parmesan. Oh, 
Oh, that's wonderful. And then, here's the weird thing about it. Then you add two tablespoons of softened butter with a wooden spoon. Really? Oh, that makes it amazing. Oh, it has butter. Yeah, Yeah, butter. (laughs) That's great. And it'll last in the refrigerator for about a week. You can use it for so many things. It's, you know, it's great on chicken, on pork, on fish. It's good. You can add it on to, add it onto a pizza. I bet you could put it on a piece of bread. Oh, yeah. Bruschetta, too. Yes, bruschetta. That's what it's called. The one thing I don't think it's good for is it doesn't freeze well. You know, basil gets mad when it's cold. Yeah. And have you ever noticed this, folks, if you buy basil in the store and then you put it in the refrigerator and all of a sudden it starts to turn black? Yes. Next time you get basil, or as we hope that you've harvested it from your own garden, uh-huh. cut it and then put it in a little cup of water and treat it like a flower. And it and could it could root. It could, or just use it as you need it. Yeah. And, and if you don't need it all, it's not going to go to waste. If it has roots, you can plant it and have a plant. Also, um... Just to to wrap this up, you can ferment ferment almost any. Some people can eat it. Uh, Christy does not have a good track record with fermenting at this moment, but I'm, I'm going to try it again. I triggered her. I'm so I'm gonna, sorry. I had a folks. If you don't remember, I had a disastrous experiment with sauerkraut. Five pounds of cabbage I wasted oh. on this sauerkraut experiment. I should have started smaller. <laughs> I'm gonna. I made some. I'm gonna bring you some next week. So, what else can you ferment besides cabbage? Well, anything. You can do hot peppers, broccoli, cauliflower. You can. You can literally ferment any single vegetable that you. Nobody ferments potatoes, so I shouldn't say any. Fermented potato. Have you ever heard of that? Hey, folks! If you've ever fermented a potato, <laughs> we want to hear about it. Yes. So anyway, happy raw eating, everybody. Give the stove a break. Yes. Give yourself a break. Um, it, I mean, I don't. We're in Colorado. A lot of people here, including Christy and myself, don't have air conditioning, and boy, is it awful to heat up the house even more. It's good for you. It's good for your skin. It's good for your digestion. It's good for the environment. It's good for all those things. Anything that you grow yourself and then eat raw is get not more wrapped, vitamins. Get more vitamins. Not wrapped in plastic. Save doctor bills. Now I'm going on like those websites saying that it's it's everything but it is yeah could be christy edith do you know what time it is what is it edith it's time for mailbag ring 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 okay so folks you may remember that last week we were talking about our friend john who is a member of the garden mm-hmm. party. He's a curmudgeon. Mm-hmm. And he asked us about sunflowers because he had written this beautiful essay about the beauty of the sunflower and how strangely it's considered a weed in Littleton, Colorado, but that they used sunflowers to help uh, break down the radiation at Chernobyl. Yes. And he would cut off sunflowers that he grew outside and bring them inside. And how when you do that, all of a sudden the pollen falls from the sunflowers. Uh Uh-huh. And it gets all over your table. (laughs) Well, it never occurred to me, but it occurred to John, because, you know, he's a journalist, what to do with that pollen. So that's what this letter is about. Go for it. All right. He says, this is from John, I'm now putting index cards underneath my cut sunflowers, collecting the fallen pollen and dropping it in a careful clump under a live backyard sunflower in the hope that bees will find it and collect it. Who knows? Better than scraping it into the trash. 
P.S. My imaginary band name is now Fallen Pollen. <laughs> That's so great. <laughs> you know, I like this idea for so many reasons. One, I think, is that if it makes if it makes John feel good to do that, it makes him feel like he's contributing back to the health of bees, which we know, of course, has been a concern in the gardening world for quite a while. I think that's uh-huh. beautiful. I do, too. I think it's wonderful. And I think also, like, in my house, I have a little, uh, clo- you can close it. It's not like I have garbage with open. It, it's a little bucket that I put all my stuff for the compost in. Mm-hmm. How could pollen hurt the compost? That's such a great point. I was thinking about compost in the same way. Like whenever you have something, if you're cooking something or in the garden that doesn't work out, I think, well, at least it's going into the compost. It's not yes. a, it's not a waste. It's we not say being that, thrown well, away. We say that same thing. Now now we did do some research on the pollen and apparently it's very hard for people to digest just raw pollen. Um, although you I have seen in health food stores little things of bee pollen. You mean like this little jar here, Edith? Is that a jar of bee pollen? It's a jar of bee pollen. Come on. I got it as an opening night gift for uh, from my friend Brett, if he's listening. And it's really good to put on salads and things like that or just sprinkle on stuff. Well, look at that. It tastes kind of, um, how, does it, how can I describe its taste? It tastes kind of, I don't know, it's sweet. Is it honey? Is it taste like honey? A little bit. You want to try some? Yeah. It's dry. I mean, I was expecting something like honey. That's it, kind of delicious. It's a little sweet, though, isn't it? Yeah. And it's a little earthy, I guess I describe it. Uh-huh. It's like eating pebbles, sweet pebbles, but not <laughs> as hard. <laughs> so anyway, thank you, John, for trying. Thank you for the letter. Thank you for experimenting. We're all about that here at Upside Down Tulips. And folks, if you want to share with us your experiment. If you have a gardening story, you have a success, you have a flop, you want to tell us about um, your raw food recipes. Yeah, give us advice. We need advice, as is so obvious to me. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Or if you have a question, you know, we'll look stuff up for you because we love hearing from you. Write to us at UpsideDownTulips at Gmail or at our website at UpsideDownTulips.com or just check on the show notes. There you go. The sun has come out from behind the clouds. Somewhere, a piano is tinkling sentimental music. It is time for our inspiration. This week's short and concise moment of inspiration comes from Mary Cantwell, who is an American journalist and novelist. Gardens, I think, dream bigger than emperors. Oh, that's a good one. It was short. It was, the intro was like three times as long. (laughs) You see, we don't tell each other what the inspiration is, so we never know. Yeah. Good one. Here's to gardens that dream big. Yeah. And gardeners who do as well. Thank you, gardeners. Thank you so much for listening. We are Edith Weiss and Christy Montour-Larsen. Did you get some laughs, maybe some value? This episode, would you do us a favor? Hit that subscribe, like, or follow button wherever you listen to your podcasts. Thank you, Denise Gentilini, for composing and performing the Upside Down Tulips theme song. If you want to hear more of Denise's music, just go to denisegentilini.com or you can find that link at UpsideDownTulips.com. And a special thanks to our local nursery and friend of the show, Southwest Gardens. Join us next week for All Things Garlic. 
And don't forget, if you make a mistake, your garden will forgive you. Nice. Upside down to Garlic. Yum. Not a lot of kissing next week. <laughs> <laughs>